But John chapter 6 and verse 5, getting right into it. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come unto him. And Jesus said to Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? This he said to prove him, for he knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered him and said, Two hundred penny worth of bread's not enough for them. Even if all of us saved up money for a number of months, that we would not have enough money to buy enough bread that these people just have a little bit. Anyone come hungry? You ever go somewhere that you were invited to eat and you were hungry? And then when the table is spread, you're like, oh, there's not enough <laughs> to take away the hunger pains. There's enough to make me salivate. There's enough to wet my appetite, but there's not enough to fill me. That was the concern. We don't have enough. We don't have enough money to meet all the needs. We don't have enough gadgetry. We don't have enough technology. We don't have enough venue to meet all these needs, even to meet a little bit of them. And in verse 8, one of the disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, says to him, There is a lad here that has five barley loaves, two small fish, but what are they among so many? Someone once told me they speculated that boy must have been fat. Because what boy walks around with five loaves in his lunch sack? But this boy had five loaves in his lunch pail. And in verse 10, it says, Jesus spoke to him, make everybody sit down. And there was a lot of grass in the place. And so the people sat down and there was about 5,000. Someone say 5,000. And Jesus took those loaves from that boy and he gave thanks. He distributed it to the disciples, the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes. And when they gave the bread out and when they gave the fish out, remember the worry, the concern is we don't have enough. For these people just to take a little. But the Bible says they went to those people and they got to take as much as they wanted. As much as they desired, they can keep eating. You ever been or the only reason you've been to a certain restaurant because it was an all you can eat buffet. This was the setup here. All you can eat cornbread and fish fry. It's as much as you want, you can have it. Not just so you could kind of feel a little bit fed, but this says they were all filled, verse 12. Someone say filled. Not just I got to get a little, you know, uh, a snack. It's kind of like when I worked at Starbucks, we set out samples of the pastries out there, just little tiny cuts of the loaves and the breads. So that way when someone bit into it, their appetite kicked in and they said, I can't stop at just eating one little icing piece of that lemon loaf cake. I got to buy me a whole one. And the Bible says these people were filled. And now, now listen very carefully to this next two verses here. Jesus said, Some, gather up the fragments. Someone say fragments. All these remnants, all these pieces, all these fragments, that were, there was leftovers. Originally, they were afraid they weren't going to have enough for people just to take a nibble, a bite, or a crumb. But they were all filled, got to eat as much as they wanted, and now there's even leftovers. Gather the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Verse 13, they were gathered together. When they gathered all these fragments, they now had 12 baskets 
with the fragments of five barley loaves, which remained over and above that which they had eaten. Amen. You may be seated, and I'm sorry that the technology ain't working. It's why it's always good to walk around with a physical Bible. But we're going to talk for the next couple moments here about fragmented faith. Someone say fragmented faith. Jesus' name. When you read in the Scripture, you read a number of miracles that Jesus performed. And there's some argument as to what would qualify for a miracle in the Gospels. What are you counting? But there's at least 37 miracles recorded of Jesus in the Gospels. 37. And there's 40 if you count the virgin birth, which is a miracle. If you count the resurrection, which is a miracle. And if you count his ascension, which is a miracle, you now have 40 miracles of Jesus recorded. But then if you add in addition to those notable miracles of blinded eyes open, deaf ears open, dead people coming back to life, lame people walking, demons cast out, the virgin birth, the resurrection, and the ascension. If you add to those when Jesus even discerned people's thoughts, because the disciples would have conversations among themselves, and then Jesus perceived he knew their thoughts and then he brought up their thoughts to them and said hey what were you guys arguing about back there what do you mean i know what you were arguing about and then he'd address it or he'd sit in a room and no one would even say a word but he knew he perceived the thoughts of the spectators in the room and then he just addressed it right then and there with a parable or just right to their face he answered every question you add that and then you got even above the 40 concerning the miraculous let's just say 50 miracles you do that those 50 miracles you gather together all of them and it may not seem like that's a lot when you gather all those miracles and you put them into the basket of what we call scripture these four gospels these four baskets gathered together and you got 50 miracles of jesus christ and maybe it can seem discouraging if you're counting or considering the miracles to needs ratio. You see 50 miracles and then you see the masses that need a miracle still. It may seem underwhelming even though a miracle can be overwhelming when you look at the larger picture. In John chapter 21 and verse 25, it says this. And there are also many other things that Jesus did. Someone say many other. There's many other things that Jesus did. Check this out. It says, the which, if they should be written, every one of them, if you picked up every miracle that Jesus ever performed, every miracle that occurred, in the three and a half years, which is a short span of time, uh, comparatively speaking, for an average lifespan of somebody, Jesus only lived 33 and a half years. And of those 33 and a half years, only the last three and a half did he perform the miraculous publicly. And when you consider that, it doesn't seem like much, but it says if you 
begin to count every miracle that was not written, every miracle that was not recorded. He says, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. That is an amazing scripture account that we read about. That if somebody would have took the time to pen every miracle of Jesus, if somebody would have sat there and counted every miracle of Jesus, if someone would have been there, merely if there would have been the 13th apostle, if there would have been the 13th disciple, and he was different than Judas. Judas was there to take care of the money bag. But if the 13th apostle, his sole job was to be the recorder. His sole purpose was to be the one that documented every footstep and every miracle. Not even somebody that was solely given to 40 hours a week, 8 hours a day, non-stop performing or writing everything Jesus performed. It says there would would not be enough books to contain all that Jesus performed. Now, you may not know what a book is today in 2019, but if you got every USB storage stick, if you got every iCloud space, if you gathered all the gigabytes, terabytes, and all the extraites that you possibly could, there would not be be enough storage in the cloud to contain the amount of miracles that Jesus performed. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? If the enemy can hide what's been done, it may feel like much has not happened. I'm going to say that again. If the enemy can hide from you, All that God has done, it may appear as if not much has happened. But there's more than you could possibly count. There's more than you and I could possibly imagine. Perhaps we need to learn a lesson from the miracle of the five, uh, the, the, the five loaves and two fishes. Perhaps we could glean something that Jesus gave instruction to the apostles in that setting. Is look, I just performed something miraculous, but you might miss what was performed. So what I want you to do, Peter, what I want you to do, James. Hey, John, listen up. This is what I want you to do. I want you over there, Simon. I want you, James. Judas, hey, I, I want you over here. Come on, I want you to help me. Gather all the fragments that remain from the fish in the loaves. They would not have seen it. They would not have noted it. Because most people in the moment were focusing on themselves. That is our nature. To focus on ourselves. Just me. Just my life, just my situation, just my problem. I, I'm hungry. I want something to eat. And I'm thankful when Jesus can come down and meet my need as an individual in a very personal way. And I'm thankful for the times I can have an all-you-can-eat buffet in a prayer meeting. And God completely, totally, absolutely satisfy above and beyond. I am thankful for that. But the people were still oblivious and unaware of what Jesus did for others. 
And when the apostles went around and they began to pick up people's, some people thought maybe they were the favorite of the day because they got a whole fish and a whole loaf and it didn't look like everyone was going to get something to eat. So they felt like they were the favorite. In fact, then they were able to get a second fish and they were able to get a second loaf. And so they got all the fish and no one else got the meat. Everyone else just got the loaves. You can feel like a spoiled kid in the kingdom of God as if you're the only one. When you're just feasting on your miracle. But sometimes God wants to call to our attention. Lift up your head. I'm not just taking care of you. Look at over 5,000 people in the vicinity of your world right now. Over and above, you count the women and the children. There might be 10,000 around you. That God made sure they got two fish. God made sure they got two loaves. And not just did I meet their need. I met it in such a fashion that they could not even consume all that I was willing to give them. Sometimes we rob God of the opportunity by setting bare minimums for him to meet. Bare minimum expectations for him to perform. But God says, look, I can perform exceeding abundantly above all that you ask. Or even think that if you were to taste and see that the Lord is good, there's still going to be leftovers for you. And I'm telling you what, God can always go over and above what we ask. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. Perhaps we need to gather the fragments to find out what we have. Those those people, they were just thinking about themselves. But once they were fed and saw there was something remained and they brought the basket around and they I don't know how big those baskets were, but I have a feeling they were a decent size. And so these big size baskets, they were able to fill them up. And when they brought them into the front of all the multitudes, because all eyes were on Jesus. And when they brought the baskets back to Jesus, the Bible says the people saw the miracle. The miracle already took place. The miracle already was manifested. But once they gathered the fragments, the miracle that was picked apart and consumed, and they picked up all that was left over, then the people saw what happened. And in that moment, people were willing and ready to lift up Jesus as their king. If we just take a little time every now and again, to pick up all the leftovers that God has done in your life. If you were not just to think about what God did for you, you know, one time or two times, but you begin to gather every piece, every fragment in your life that God has exceeded your expectation. I believe we will give him the exaltation he is worthy of and deserving of. In John fourteen twelve, Jesus said this, Verily I say unto you, the person that believes on me, the works that, that, that I do, he will do also. In fact, there will be greater works than these shall he do. God promised we would see greater. That doesn't mean better. I mean, how you can't be better than Jesus. But what he's saying is you are going to see a higher quantity And you're going to see another type of quality concerning the miraculous because Jesus said, I am going away, but you are here to stay and I will return and I'm going to live within you. I'm going to comfort you. And so if God promised we'd see the greater, don't settle for the lesser.
If God promised you something greater, don't settle for something lesser. Don't settle for something less that God wants to give you his best. God wants to do something miraculous today. Now listen, I'm almost almost done. I'm not going to preach very long. If the enemy can divide what God is doing, it will never look like much. But if we can gather all that God has done, our cup would run over. Those 12 baskets, there says it remained over and above. They, those baskets weren't partially taking some real estate. The Bible says those baskets were filled completely. God is into the filling completely above and beyond, pressed down, shaken together, and running over kind of business. God is into exceeding any expectation that we can have for him. But if the enemy divides what God is doing, it's not going to look like much to you. But if we gather all that God has done, our cup of faith would run over. We got to start gathering the fragments. We got to start accumulating all the anointing when we got to start compiling all the miracles. And if we would gather the fragments of our lives and we would accumulate the anointing in our lives and we compile all the miraculous in our lives, I believe that something would shift in our spirit. Something would shift in this church. If we could stop seeing all the things the enemy's trying to divide and trying to split up and dilute. There are fragments that if we would gather the fragments, there would remain over and above more than we could ever possibly realize. Would you lift your voice for just a moment? Would you lift your voice to Jesus? Come on, would you send up a praise to Jesus? Oh, I worship you, Jesus. If all I did was live in the present I, I, I would live way below what God can have for me in my f- level of faith. I'm not saying that the past is a good place to, to, to live. You need to visit the past. You don't want to park it in the past because we got to live in our present moment and we got to move forward. But going to the past can help you in your present. And if I look at my life right now in the very present moment, I can, I can easily default to discouragement but if i begin to gather all the fragments of all the miraculous that's taking place in my life and i begin to pen them as i pick them up as i begin to compile them as i begin to put them in my basket as i begin to pick up every little thing in my life when i and i i can go on i'll just name a couple i i i remember that when i was i was living like a devil i was so far from god i was living backslidden state but when I broke my back and I was partially paralyzed, someone had to carry me home. I, I could not hold enough strength in my legs without pain taking over my body to walk. And they took me in through that CAT scan and they found multiple fractures in my spine. And, and they were going to put me in a full body cast to try to restore. You better believe it was a wake-up call for a little boy, a little teenage kid. But see, all of a sudden, my mom and my dad went to praying. And the church went to praying. And the next time they went to form that body cast put me through that CAT scan, the major break that was in my lumbar that was causing to mess up the nerves was completely and totally healed. I might be in present pain right now, but sometimes I got to go back and gather some fragments, some things that occurred in my life and begin to fill up the basket of where I'm at right now.
I, I remember as a, 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 a young kid when my, my dad, he worked like crazy. I mean, 80 hours nonstop, round-the-clock construction, working out on the, the interstate and all that kind of stuff. And we would not have get, uh, lots of time to spend with our fathers uh, at, at some occasions and seasons. And so there was one moment where my mom was going to be out of, my, out of town and my dad was going to be there and he was able to get work off. And it was just going to be him and the boys that week. And we were so so excited about spending time with dad. And then dad came down with the sickness and he, he, he had, he had a problem and he could not, you know, hang out with us. And I was so depleted. My joy of hanging out with my father was robbed from me. And so I don't know what came over me, but I just found a place in the living room right by the couch and the coffee table. And I got into fetal position and I began to call on the name of Jesus. And I said, Jesus, I just want to hang out with my dad this week. And God, my dad came in later that day and he said, boy, did you pray? And I go, yes, sir. He goes, I don't know what happened, but God healed me. Let's go hang out. See, I may not seem like much to you, but whether it's a physical ailment for yourself or you have a physical yearning to see someone else healed. And I'm telling you, God can meet every single situation. When I was in Bible college and, and we were ha- trying to bring people to church and, and we, were, uh, we had a special service there in the ghetto and we rented out a VFW. And there's a man that I, I, I really wanted to be there, spent a lot of time with him, reaching out to him. And when I knocked on his, uh, on his house and he opened the door, it took him a while. I was actually walking away. But when I came back and he answered the door, he was hunched over and he was limping and I had to carry him back to his couch. And I'm like, what's wrong? And, 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 and he rolled up his pant leg and he showed me his, his knee. It, it looked like the size like of an elephant's knee. And it was, it was a nasty colors. And it had this pus and this infection. And they said that the doctors are getting ready to amputate his leg. He had some cellulitis, some really deep, nasty infection in his leg. And so he was pretty concerned. And so oh, I, I didn't know what else to do. And so I was like, hey, why don't we begin to pray right now? And we laid hands upon that knee. We began to pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We put him on our shoulders, my friend and I. And we started pacing back and forth forth. Long story short, all of a sudden that his knee popped and all that stuff. I know it sounds disgusting. It began to flow out of his knee. God healed him. He didn't have to go to the hospital. Never had to remove that leg. I am telling you that if you are discouraged, there's enough fragments in your life. If you take time just to pause and pick up another fragment, pick up another piece of what God has left over and above in your life. And not too long, I don't know, it was uh, maybe two years ago, I can't remember if it was Grace or, or Eden or who want, those big heavy metal doors, they got their finger lodged in there and smashed it and they're screaming and it sure looked like it was broke. Pastor Jared laid hands upon that finger, began to pray in the name of Jesus and God healed that finger. I remember my, God was, we prayed for my wife, she had a cyst right there in her wrist, it was it was it looked like the size of a ping pong ball and it was painful and it wouldn't go away, but we began to call upon the name of the Lord. And God healed my wife and removed that cyst that was in her wrist. I remember going back to Sioux Falls and have at a youth convention and we began to pray over a child. 
that was an immigrant from Africa, and they were in the hospital, and they had a brain tumor. They were newly born, and the doctors uh, weren't given much hope, and they were going to have to perform an operation. But they brought one of those cloths up, and we began to pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God made that tumor disappear in that newborn baby's brain. I'm telling you, if you would just pause for a moment and just look over your life and begin to search God, I just need to add another fragment into my basket of faith right now. We're sitting inside of a miracle right now. I know it may be repeated. It might sound redundant. But every now and again, when I'm in this building and I'm in a low time, I sometimes just put my hand upon the brick walls and I get my face on this carpet and I say, God, I got no business being in this building. God, this is a $1.3 million property where it's just a handful of people. But we prayed and prophesied over this property and you gave it to us debt free. I'm telling you, sometimes you need to look to the past. Sometimes you need to recall the remnants that God had, the leftovers that God gave. You can say, well, you know, that's just you or that's just old stuff. You know, God doesn't do anything that very often. Well, just this past youth convention, was it was Alexis that had the busted wrist or finger? What was it? Her finger was broke. Was it broke? Is that what it was? She had a broken finger and it was all swollen and messed up. And at youth convention in March, when that youth group began to pray for her and lay hands upon her, God healed her finger. Right then and there in service, God put the bone, everything back together, and she was able to bend it and move it without pain. I'm telling you, it's not that far removed. Just what, two weeks ago, Jason was at that church service, and they began to pray at that NAYC, and God opened up his nasal passage so he was able to breathe out of his nose. We're not too far removed. It feels like we actually just got fed and there's still some fragments laying around. Uh, just just the other week, we were praying for my wife's grandma. She had an, uh, a terrible infection in her body and her bones. The doctor's were extremely concerned about her condition, and she's old, and and uh, so they were going to perform multiple surgeries upon Grandma Narlock. They're going to have to do all these different visitations and surgeries. She's going to be, you know, having a long recovery. And just last week, uh, Friday, I believe it was, she went in, checked, checked in, checked out. And my, my, my uh, um, mother-in-law, she's kind of concerned, like, well, I, th- I thought she's going to be at the hospital a while. And no doctor ever got back to her, so she had to dig a little deeper and finally talk to a doctor. Come to find out there was no infection found in her bones. God completely and totally healed her body. Just a couple months ago, Sister Evelyn, she she has a friend, and her friend had some shoulder pain. What it was, shoulder pain, and, and so Evelyn's like, "Well, I, I believe in prayer," and and uh, she went to go to her friend's house and got some anointing oil, and she anointed her friend and prayed the prayer of faith, and God healed that lady's shoulder. And you say, "Well, you know, what, what, what no big deal." I'm telling you, that is a big deal. That's an absolute major deal because that same friend has a sister and that sister is elderly and that sister was just at the hospital and she had a a knot in her intestines and the doctors didn't know exactly how they're going to be able to work on it because she's too old to have surgery and she's frail in the nursing home all this stuff and they they did all the tests and so Evelyn said hey can I go pray for her this is this just happened when 
Just like, this just happened last week. And so Evelyn went over to the hospital here in town, and she went to that stranger's room, and she laid hands upon her, prayed over that God would heal her body. Twenty minutes later, the doctors come in, and they have in front of her the report and say, we don't know what's up, but your stomach's fine. It's not in a knot. You go ahead and go home. This isn't something from just 2,000 years ago, two years ago, five years ago. God is still performing the miraculous today. Come on, church. There's too much witness of the Spirit for us to be discouraged or cast down. There's too much evidence of the hand of God upon this congregation and this city for us to think that God's dead and God's done. God is still doing that which exceeds our expectations. I refuse to be cast down. I refuse to be destroyed. I'm telling you, God is for us. And if God be for us, it does not matter what is against us. There's more here than you could ever imagine. I, I feel like the spirit of that prophet old when he was there with his servant and the enemy was all around and it seemed like an impossible situation and the servant is concerned and worried and that man of God says, look, there's more for us than there are against us. His servant's a little confused saying, what, what do you mean? And so the man of God prays, God, open his eyes so he can see what is around us. And God took the scales off that man's eyes and he looked around and there was a host of heaven's armies that surrounded the enemy. I know it's a, a, a song that kind of repeats over and over again. It may feel like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like you're surrounded on every side from your enemy, but your enemy is surrounded by a powerful, almighty God who is able to win the battle. Last couple portions of scripture, and I'm going to shut up. Romans 12, 3 through 6. I, I, God is going to do something here today in a significant fashion. It says, I say through the grace given to me, every man that is among you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. That means every single one of you, God has deposited into you an amount of faith to operate in. Every single one of you. Either the Bible's true or it's not. The Bible says God has dealt to every person the measure of faith. And we have many members, verse 4, in one body. There's a multiple group of people here, but it's one body. It's one church. And all members don't have the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. And verse 6 says we have gifts differing according to the grace that's been given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. No matter what measure of faith you've been given, no matter what gift you've been given, here's the principle or rule to glean from in verse 6. Whatever God has gifted you, don't shortchange God. God gave it to you. Now operate according to what he gave you. Prophesy according to that proportion of faith. 
God gave you a portion. Don't take that portion and hide it in the earth out of fear or pride. But you need to dig up that portion and begin to prophesy according to that proportion of faith. Whatever situation you are in right now, God has given you the measure of faith to win the fight. God has already pre, he set it up where he knew what you were going to go through. And so he gave you a measure of faith for what's up ahead of you. There is, if you would just gather the fragments around you right now, you'd realize you got more faith than you realize. You got enough evidence in your life for you to realize, look, I can march forward in my battle right now. I can keep on keeping on because God has done all these things. Ephesians 2, 5, and 6. We were dead in sins. He quickened us together in Christ. Someone say together. Verse 6. He raised us up together. Someone say together. And he made us sit together. Someone say together. Three times, two verses, just like that. Boom, boom, boom. It emphatically repeats the same word, together. He made us, he, 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 he put us together, made us alive together in Jesus. He raised us up together. And he has set us together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Look, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The gates of hell will prevail against an individual. When you, when you disconnect yourself from the church, the gates of hell will whoop you. But if you're a part of the body of Christ, it's already predestined. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That's why you got to make sure you're part of the right church. I, I, I want to make sure, look, I, I want to know what I believe. I, I, I don't want to believe that Jesus is just a man. I don't want to believe he's just a teacher. I don't want to believe he's just a prophet. I want to know who Jesus is. I, Jesus is not a, a, the devil's brother. Jesus is not some angel. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. Jesus is the one true God. He is the one that every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess. Look, I want to be on the right side of eternity in this. Someone say amen. Now, together, I want to share something with you. I, I put it in the church bulletin just so, just so you don't have to write all these down if you don't want to. But it's just something that Pastor Olson, uh, a friend of mine in Sioux Falls, that shared. And I just I thought it was so good I wanted to share it with you. He was talking about the redwood tree. He says these redwoods, they're as old as 2,500 years old. And, is seven, and some of them is 70 feet taller than the Statue of Liberty. It would take 15 people to join hand in hand to go around some of those biggest redwood trees. And what is interesting about not just the size of them, but when you look into them, is that the root system of these redwood trees are unlike any other tree. They do not have what is called a tap root. That, what a tap root is, it is a single main root of a tree that goes grows deep into the soil, kind of like anchors down and rests and gets its its water and its nutrients. It's that does not have a taproot system. The redwoods have a massive root system that grows out, and it doesn't grow from a taproot. And those roots grow and they intertwine with all the other redwood trees. And since rainfall is inadequate to take care of the thirst of all these redwood trees, they're so massive, the tallest redwood trees that reach higher than any other redwood tree 
They reach all the way up into the fog and they are able to wick the moisture from the fog and the moisture they are able to gather at those heights from the fog in the mist in the air. It, they don't keep it for themselves, but it transfers down them and it begins to send through the rest of the root system that is connected to in the forest of the redwood trees. And they send it to the smaller redwood trees. They send it to the redwood trees that cannot access that. The redwood trees as tall as the tallest one is, is not for itself. There is no, uh, the annual rainfall is inadequate and the leaves, the soil where redwood trees grow with insufficient nutrients. And so the trees must rely on each other. Look, it's not about you being the tallest person in this room, the most spiritual person in this room. It's about you being a part of the forest called the church. It's about you getting connected to the root system of the church. And so we can feed one another. When someone else is going through something tough, when they're going through a season, there are some people in here that can reach to the heights, into the heavens, and they can get a hold of the clouds of glory, and God can flow through you so you can flow through them. God wants us to work together. Another interesting thing about the redwood tree is there is no known disease that can kill them. There is no known insect that can control, uh, that can destroy them. It's something unique, unlike any other tree out there. There's something unique about the true church, unlike any church that's out there, because there is no insect, there is no disease, there is no weapon that can prosper against the church of the living God. When we are a part of the church, when we're a part of the body of Christ, there is no weapon formed against us that's going to prosper. We are more than conquerors through Christ. Someone say amen. The only enemy for these trees are the storms, but they must work together. Redwoods cannot survive alone, ever. A redwood, as big and mighty as it is, cannot survive alone. Let's lift our hands for a moment. I'm just about done. Can we just lift our voices in prayer and let's ask God to speak to us. Jesus, we need you right now. Jesus, we need your voice right now. We need your spirit. Lord, we're not in this alone. We're in this together. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Help us to walk in the Holy Ghost. Help us to walk in the Holy Ghost. Help us to obey your voice. Someone say in Jesus' name. Mm. Mm. John chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. I want to read it again. I close. We read it in the opening. We're going to read it in the closing. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Talking about fragmented faith. When faith is spliced and diced and spread all over, you may feel like you don't have much. But if you just go down memory memory lane and you begin to pick up all those fragments, all those memories, all those occasions in your life, 
and you gather those fragments together, you'll realize you have not just enough to take a little, but you have enough to be filled right now. And not enough just to be filled, but you have over and above that remains. Where you don't have to just worry about feeding your need. You can help feed the needs of others. You have enough experience in Jesus to feed others. I know you might feel like you have fragmented faith right now and you just, you're falling to pieces. But God is calling to you right now to pick yourself up and start gathering all those fragments. There's more for you than there is against you. And if, if you think about it in this way as well, using the illustration of the redwood forest, even if you gather all that you have, you don't feel like you have much. You just have a little measure of faith. If you'd add all these measures together, if you add all, if, if each of us right now are just a fragment of the body of Christ and you have all fragments come together, you have a complete body. Jesus Christ being the head and we being the arms, we being the feet, we being the heart, we being the whatever. And if all the fragments come together, we can do this. But if the body is fragmented, it cannot do it. It is the vital element of unity. It is the vital element of us coming together, weeping when others weep and rejoicing when others rejoice and, and be, uh, being spiritual and, and restoring one that has fallen. It's, it's when our fragmented faith comes together, we realize we are strong. We are mighty. We are powerful. We are able. We can. We will. We're the head. We're not the tail. There's more for us than there is against us. I'm telling you, we have all the components right here to have revival. Let's stand together. Everything we need, we have right here to have revival. I'm as guilty as anyone that's always, you know, wanting more, seeing more, reaching for more, all that kind of stuff. But everything we need, we have to have revival. But see, the enemy is so busy distracting you and fragmenting your faith that you barely think you have enough to get a little for yourself. But you don't got to worry. Don't worry about, I don't know if I, I'll, I'll be able to get enough because I got to, you know, I don't know if others are going to get any. No, you can get as much as you want from Jesus. And there's going to be enough for others. And those that don't see the miracle going on, when if you lift up your head for a moment and realize the miracle that's going on, you can go encourage others to start tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And people don't have to be out of fear and worry whether or not there's going to be anything. We have everything right here. I don't remember if it was a month ago. Let's gather around this altar. We're going to pray as I'm talking here. I think it was a month ago. Maybe two. I don't know. doesn't matter. Man, but God just so put into my spirit, and I, I still can't shake it, that 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 21 through 23 where it says, stop, stop name-dropping Apollos. 
Stop name dropping Cephas. Stop name dropping, uh, you know, Paul. Stop name dropping Peter. Stop name dropping all these people. He says, all things are yours. All things are yours. See, the problem with the Corinth church was they, they were like preacher junkies. They, 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 they thought like, you know, the preacher can do it all. The preacher's powerful. I'm connected to him or I know him. It was, it was like name-based religion on, on, you know, the who's who of preachers. And if I could connect myself to them, if I could get them to pray over me, then, then all of a sudden I'm going to have this ministry. I'm going to have this power. I'm going to have this mantle. I'm going to have this impartation. If I go to this conference, I go to that conference, I go to this event, I go to that. And, and, and Paul says, enough. All things are yours. You got it. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. You've been baptized in Jesus' name. You got it. But when we fragment our faith and it's so broken and so dispersed, we don't feel very positive. We don't have enough confidence. We don't have enough faith. But I'm telling you, just look at your life. Whether you're 20 years old, 30 years old, 70 years old, 80 years old, look over your life. You are here because of the hand of God. God has done so much for you in your world that if you can gather those fragments together, you'll be able to say, okay, he's my king. He's my king, and that's who fed me. I'm serving my king. I'm going to pray with the king's favor. I'm going to pray under the king's authority. We can see the miraculous happen when the fragment of your faith comes together and when the fragments of the church come together. There's more going on here than we can possibly ever imagine. If you need, if you just step back just a little bit from this, this altar. If you need a, a bona fide miracle, I want you, I want your toes up against this altar. If you need a miracle today, we're going to pray for the miraculous today. I, I, I believe that God wants to perform the miraculous today. I believe he wants to do it. If you need, if you need a miracle in your body, I want you to come to this altar. Your toes touching it. Anyone else? I'll give you a moment here. Now, it's not in my might. Not in my power. It's by his spirit. Jesus Christ will get the glory. No flesh will glory in his presence. But we have needs. We have one, two, three four, five, six, seven, eight needs here at this altar right now. And I wonder if all the fragments would come together right now and place your hands upon your brothers and sisters, guys with guys, girls with girls, and those that have need right now. We don't, I, this is no disrespect because I absolutely love these individuals I'll name right now. But you don't need Stone King here for the miraculous. You don't need Josh Herring here for the miraculous. We don't need Joe Campatelli here for the miraculous. Chris Green or Landon Gore. You don't need to go to some conference or event for the miraculous. Right in this room is the miraculous. We just named a litany of occasions that happened here in Watertown, South Dakota, years ago and days ago. The miraculous is right here, right now. I want, I want us to pray right now. If, if you're healthy and whole, I want you to pray for those that are sick in need right now. Let's connect like the root system, the tree system of the redwood forest right now. Come on, let's let the roots get connected right now. Come on, join hands with somebody right now. Place hands on someone's shoulder. Look, you are powerful.
Look, come on, church, you are powerful. You may not be the preacher, but you're powerful. You might not be the worship leader, but you're powerful. I want you right now to declare by faith a healing in someone's body right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, not by my might and not by my power, but by your spirit. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that with your stripes they are healed, God. Lord, you've done it before. You're about to do it again. I declare the miraculous here today in Jesus name. Come on, begin to pray with faith right now.